Welcome to this week's episode of Afraid to Ask, our podcast where we answer all your burning questions. This week we are talking about cancer and whether we'll ever find a cure for it. I'm joined by my pal Helen, helping me host, and our guest this week is Professor Steve Henry. He's an engineering professor here at AUT. He's also the chief executive of a company called Code Biotech, and he has created a technology that may one day cure cancer. Let's get to it. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on first. What's the deal with airplane peanuts? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? At this point, I'm too afraid to ask. We're here to talk about, I guess, one of the things that everyone wants to know is will we ever cure cancer? And I'd have to admit, I've got a vested interest because um, my family tends to, it's... The choice, it's the um, death of choice, I'm going to say, for my family. Um, it's the exit strategy. Uh, so I'm wanting some good news here today, Steve. Well, if it's the exit strategy, it's going to be around forever, cancer. But you'll be able to cure cancer. How can that be that you can it can be around forever, but it can be curable at the same time? I think that's the point which people miss or misunderstand about cancer. Cancer is a, a normal, natural, human animal everything phenomenon and cancer is a result of a a cell in your body getting it wrong and losing its ability to stop multiplying and it also does other things that not only does it lose its ability to stop multiplying it starts to learn ways to actually make itself be able to hide from your body probably we all get cancer in quotes or a cell that could become cancerous probably every day or every week. Wow. However, our immune system sees it and cleans it out when it's at the one cell stage. We're constantly making errors whenever a cell multiplies. In fact, virtually every cell in our body, not everyone, has changed itself within a period of seven years. So every seven years, every single cell in your body, with a few exceptions, have replaced themselves. In fact, some cells replace themselves every few hours or every few days. Are there certain parts of our body where those cells going wrong are more likely to occur? Like, I guess we always hear women in breast cancer or bowel cancer. Are they, or is that just coincidence, really? Um, there probably are areas where the survey... So every time a cell molt or divides itself and makes a new version, it does a couple of things. One, it says, stop multiplying. Okay, and that's the most critical thing. If it loses its ability to stop multiplying it will continue to grow and become a cancer if it also learns how to hide itself. Now, there's a couple of other things with cancers. Also, a cancer cell learns this ability called metastases or this ability to break off from itself and go and float around in your bloodstream and set itself up somewhere else. So, remembering we're constantly getting cancers. Our body is constantly seeing it and, and cleaning out these cancers. So if the cell picks up a mutation, be that from something in the environment, and learns this ability to hide itself, so a couple of events are happening here, then we will develop a cancer. So will all cancer cells or cells that turn cancerous metastasize or become secondary cancers or like so when that happens does other parts in the body suddenly start to recognize it okay once you start to recognize your cancer you will cure yourself from your cancer so cancers can only become cancerous if your body can't recognize it that's the key 
So it's a natural cell that's lost its ability to stop growing. It's gained an ability to hide itself. And by your body not being able to see it, it can't get rid of it. And this is the whole trick to cancer therapies or the immunotherapies. Teach your body to see your cancers. The moment it sees them, it will clean them out. So with, with the metastasizing bits, yeah. I was thinking that in relation to it being, by that point, it's quite... It's, it's bit, too late. It's a bit lethal. Uh, <laughs> it's deadly. Look, what is that? You're, you're in deep trouble. Yeah. So, so a, a cancer... Let's say you've got a cancer in the liver and it's a liver cancer. So it'll be an area of the liver that's growing uncontrollably. And if it just stays in the liver, it still will be a cancer. But when it metastasizes, a bit of it can break off and go into your bloodstream and float all around your body. And little bits of these cells that know how to grow uncontrollably will then start occupying other parts of your body. Lymph nodes are a classic place that they'll get trapped. And so that's why they often look in the nymph, lymph nodes to see has the cancer become metastatic. So it's actually metastasized. Is it spreading elsewhere? The problem with spreading elsewhere is kind of a, is, is a problem about occupying space. So in other words, if you've got liver starting to grow in your lungs or lungs starting to grow in your liver, it's something in the wrong place doing a job that it's not meant to do. And so it's taking up good space, it's using up all the good resources, and so actually crowding out the other cells which don't multiply. And this thing keeps growing and growing and growing. It's eating and it's spreading all its muck into the area, so all its waste has to be disposed of, and it's occupying more and more space. And so that's what actually kills you. Cancer itself really doesn't kill you other than it's taking over the place that good things are, using good resources, but it's not doing a job. So why does it take us so long to find out we have cancer? It seems like the people who find out they have cancer quite early on were lucky, essentially. They went for their routine yeah. scans or something like that. But a lot of people obviously find out too late. What's it doing inside us? that we, why, can't, why don't we know we have cancer earlier? Because the only way to see a cancer, unless you accidentally find it in an X-ray or in some other mechanism, um, or you had a special blood test for it, is to see the symptoms of when something goes wrong. So these, if it's metastasized and gone somewhere else and gone, say, into your lung, then you start to have breathing problems and these things. And you go to your doctor for that reason, and when they're trying to find out the cause of that reason, they see the metastases. And that's why you get into trouble. It's way too late. You haven't found the primary, but not only the primary, it's actually sent out all its secondaries, and these are all spread through your body. And, and that stage you're in very very big trouble unless you're a child because i was doing some research and it seems childhood cancers have some of the best curing rates if we can use that yeah. word i think child leukemia they were saying 90 percent of cases can be cured so what is it with are their bodies is it that they're smaller that they're stronger that yeah. <laughs> well, they actually, haven't had booze and bacon yet <laughs> potentially that is part of it I, i'm not sure i can answer that question um authoritatively but certainly your immune system is actually at its best by about nine years of age. After nine years of age, your immune system is starting to deteriorate. <laughs> so when you get to our age, we're in really deep trouble. And remember, all of our cells are molt, so their chances of getting cancer when you're young is much, much lower. Okay, And your ability to cure yourself is obviously better 
the exact mechanisms for that, I'm, I don't know. So Not then, in my area. I guess now's probably a good time to bring up every day in the news, it's like eating more dark chocolate, drinking red wine, exercising less. I mean, more or, or less, I guess <laughs> yeah, it could yeah. be. You never know uh, with this. Tomorrow, tomorrow. might be less. Do, are these <coughs> things actually going to stop us getting cancer? Like, should I stop eating bacon? Okay. You're just hoping for some good news. I don't even like bacon. (laughs) (laughs) Look, everything, the longer you live, the higher your chances of getting cancer are. For the number one reason, the more times you are replicating your cells, the higher the chances it will make a mistake. The more environmental factors you expose yourself to, radiation, chemicals, toxins, etc., the higher the chance that an accidental event or mutation event will occur in a cell. So remember, if a mutation event occurs, which are occurring all the time, okay, the reason we look as wrinkly as we are is our cells are not as good. They've got lots of mutations compiling up, and that's called old age, okay? Old age is just a compilation of errors. But if that mutation occurs, that creates an event which allows the cancer to hide and stops its ability to stop replicating or allows it to become immortalized, keep on making itself forever and ever, that becomes a cancer. So all of these things are happening and it's just the number of events. Exposure to radiation, sun and all of these things. DNA is attacked by ultraviolet light. or So radiation from the sun... So bacon, there are toxins in bacon. There are toxins in almost everything we eat. There are lectins. There are everything. So, so do you buy is, into that stuff then? That like you shouldn't eat. Like reducing your red meat consumption will stop you getting bowel cancer, or you know, heavily decrease your chances of getting okay. bowel cancer. What I buy into is eat a lot of everything. You must eat a lot of chocolate. Chocolate is absolutely critical <laughs> to survival. I personally probably eat the equivalent of three big bars per week. But does it have to be dark chocolate? Just chocolate. Okay. Not white. That white stuff, that's not chocolate. <laughs> as, as long as it's chocolate, it's good for you. Because it makes you feel good to begin with. All of these feelings are actually quite important. Feeling good actually can reduce your stress levels, which can change your chemical profiles, which can improve your ability not to get cancer or even cure yourself. Remember, you are constantly curing yourself from cancer. Well, you talk about these these cells are hiding what is what are they doing what is it why are your is your body not recognizing them in a way that it was the day before okay so the a cancer cell is a normal human cell but it is so it started from a human cell and it's picked up a mutation and now it is growing uncontrollably and in this process of growing uncontrollably it makes a few different things on its surface because it's not working properly. It makes a few things that are not normally seen in the human body. Okay, so why is it hiding? Well, it doesn't have a brain and it doesn't think. So the hiding events must just randomly occur as well. So if you do make those things that make your cancer and you don't accidentally also make the hiding things, it'll get seen by the immune system and removed. But if you've got a cell that's mutated to begin with, going a bit crazy, it has a high chance of also making the things that can make it hide. Okay, quite simplistic. There's things called uh, checkpoint inhibitors, or checkpoints, which actually are in the process, and checkpoint inhibitors are what a lot of cancer therapies today are trying to 
uncover to stop the cancers hiding themselves through these checkpoints. Remember your immune system is your friend and it can be your enemy. It's your enemy in autoimmune diseases, but it is massively powerful. If, if you get something wrong, it can destroy you in, in minutes. So for example, if you put incompatible blood into your blood circulation, it'll kill you in a couple of minutes, just through your immune system, crazily attacking that blood, going crazy and just killing it. So it's a massively powerful system. So you can't just let it go wild. You've got to control it. And the way your body controls your immune system is actually hiding itself in some respects or making sure the immune system doesn't recognize yourself. So this is a system that is massively powerful, but also if you get it wrong, it will kill you or attack you in the autoimmune diseases. One of the big uh, things you see for almost any illness or disease is that to try and bear a healthy body weight. Do fat people have more cells? Is that why? Are they more at risk because they've got more cells that could go wrong? Bigger people will probably have more cells. Uh, fat people have more fat cells. Okay. Okay, so you don't grow more of all the, all the cells necessarily in the process here. It's just building up a type of cell, which is the fat cells. So, But, of course, the problem is what is a fat person versus a skinny person? And, you know... There is such a bandwidth of normal. It's I prefer to say people in a normal weight for their frame, people outside of that. So, you know, I've seen people who are big and huge and their BMIs are way, you know, crazy. But in fact, they've got no fat on them. You yeah, know? like rugby players. Actually, and I remember research last year out of um, England with the NHS. They said that um, it's actually easier to treat fat people with certain illnesses because they can last for longer because their body's not oh, yeah. you know they've got more meat on their bones to last do you know, how the, going, do you know? know the longest period of time a person has lived with not really eating other than taking just vitamins and, and drinks what? take a guess i think i heard about was it was it about a year or something just over a year yeah so what were they eating Nothing. They didn't eat. They just had water. And were they gigantic Yeah, they were gigantic to start with. And they stopped eating food and they lived for over a year. Healthy. So after a year, a year and a month or so, they started get coming back onto, onto foods so again. Did they get fat again? Uh, no, they controlled. They were careful to control their weight. So they were morbidly obese. So eating is, you know... They, is part of it. There, there is a good school of thought saying that we should not constantly eat. We should fasting is probably something good. Okay, so well, that's what cavemen would have done, wouldn't? And oh, yeah, that's exactly. the old way of living. But no caveman lived long enough to get cancer. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you know, cancer is a modern problem. It is not actually, you know, genetics play a part in you, your chances of getting cancer. But there's really, if you think about, it, there's no real genetic uh, enough genetic selective events for cancer. Because you get cancer post having your babies. At least you should have it because we all have That's our babies. That's great news because everybody's doing a few weeks. Oh, yeah, 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 but, <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, we really, in, in, in human terms, we should have been having the babies at 14, 16, 18, under 20, okay? So people under 20 didn't get cancer. So there'd be no genetic selective events to eliminate cancer. But cancer is just, it's a normal process. It's a normal process. It just kills us, which is what we don't like. Well, on that pleasant topic, let's hit the street and ask some of the people on AUT's campus what they think is killing New Zealanders. 
Hey guys, Stan in the street here and today I'm asking people about diseases. What disease do you think is the number one cause of death in New Zealand? I don't think it's cancer. Is it obesity? Probably would be. Yeah, wait, does obesity count? Yeah, definitely cancer. Cancer is definitely one of the main top ones anywhere, I think. Do you think we'll ever cure cancer? Eventually, I feel like, yeah, they should be able to. I think there's a possibility, but it's like, it would probably come like another 30 years or something. <laughs> cancer is such a broad topic, there's so many different kinds. I mean, it's more about early warning more than actually curing it. There's hundreds of types of cancers and every single one needs a different cure. Different cancers will mutate into different types of cancers. So it's like you cure one and then it might have spread by then, now you've got the other type. What can we do to keep ourselves safe from disease? Don't use dirty needles, probably a really good start. Um, Personal hygiene is pretty key as well, you know, making sure you don't, you know, you always wash your hands and that sort of thing. But I mean, even the healthiest person can still get cancer, so it can be pretty hard to know what to do and that and there's a lot of differing opinions out there. A healthy body means a healthy immune system, it means you're a lot better. Welcome back. Well, we can tell you that um, the Ministry of Health in New Zealand has revealed the major causes of death in New Zealand uh, for white non-Māori males, uh, heart disease, suicide, lung cancer, strokes, and then motor vehicle accidents. Uh, for non-Māori women, it's heart disease, breast cancer, stroke, lung cancer, or bowel cancer. But for Māori people, it's actually quite different. For men, it's heart disease, lung cancer, suicide, diabetes, and car accidents. For Māori women, heart disease, uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, stroke and diabetes. So really what I want to know is curing cancer because, um, yeah, I, I'm just interested to understand what are we doing today and what, how might that improve because I've seen some of these cures in action and sometimes they're not super pleasant or effective. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the approach that's been taken to cure cancers mostly in the past, has been very blunt. Uh, it's been based on the premise that a cancer cell, quite rightly, grows faster than all the other cells. So if you poison every cell in your body, the ones that are in a replication cycle will get killed by the chemotherapies. And all the other cells which are not constantly reproducing should have a better chance of surviving. Now, That's been the chemotherapy yeah. now, approach. Now, chemotherapy, um, because some people might not have seeing what chemotherapy is. Can you describe what, what is chemotherapy and how is that administered? Well, basically, it's just like you said, it's administering a poison to your body to kill anything that's growing quickly. And it, that means it hits your entire body, everything. not just the cancer, right? You get hit with everything. That's why they have gut problems. They have blood problems because these are the cells. Remember, right at the beginning, I said some cells live for a very long time and some cells are reproduced, are produced very frequently. The cells like the blood cells and the gut cells, the gut cells change every three or four days. These Produce quite quickly, just like cancer cells are produced quite quickly. So all of them get hit as well. And so that's why your hair falls out, or can do. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not because it's reproducing quickly, but it's it's a sensitive cell in there. Every cell in your body basically is getting a hit a little bit. So how does radiation work then? What like what what would you prefer to get? <laughs> well, chemotherapy, you can treat your whole body if you're going for the secondaries. So if you've got secondaries. Radiation is a waste of time because what the heck are you going to irradiate? Your whole body? Well, then you're dead. So radiation therapy is if you have a localized tumor that is not metastasized. It is in one place and you can hit it and smash it and break it up. 
it's a replacement for surgery. That's but it's actually got a slight advantage over surgery. Theoretically, breaking it up could, if you kill those cells, the fragments of those cells could stimulate a, a secondary immune response and could train your body to treat itself. But most of the fact is just about might not be surgically convenient to get in there. It's, it's yeah. But everything, it's just destroying tissue big time, localized. I guess the big buzzword you hear with cancer therapy is immunotherapy. What does it mean? So immunotherapy is the magical answer if it can come about. And it's been around for a very long time, the concept. Way, way back, I think it was in the 50s or 60s, the first time immunotherapy was was seen in a transfusion setting. And I'll tell you this story because it's quite a salient story about, about immunotherapy. And a patient turned up in a hospital in the US and they had a, a liver cancer. And in those days they didn't have ultrasound and they didn't have all the tools and that. So, But they needed to give this person some blood. So they asked the blood lab to see if they could find blood for this person. And they said, oh, they've got an antibody in this, their blood, this thing that will harm them if we give them a transfusion. But let's give them a small sample of blood and see what happens. So they transfused that person just with five mils of blood and their body attacked the blood they were transfused, destroyed it. And so the blood center said, you're going to have to do surgery with no blood support. So if they bleed, they will die. Anyway, so they opened up the patient because no ultrasound and there was this huge tumor, big, big tumor in the liver and secondaries and this person was in trouble. So they thought, well, we'll chop out the tumor anyway. So they chopped out a big chunk of the tumour and uh, sewed the person up and basically sent them home to die. Yeah, they died 35 years later. Wow. What had happened in that patient is that small blood transfusion they had given that person had stimulated their immune system to make powerful antibodies and the same chemical structures on the blood happened to also be present on the tumour. They were not normal antigens. The body had made these special tumour antigens and they just happened to be on the blood. That's a one chance in many millions that that would have happened. So is immunotherapy always to do with blood? No. So it's to do with antibodies, which is your immune system to attack anything foreign that comes into your body or to attack anything in your body that becomes foreign. So you've got a, a treat, not a treatment, You you have a technology that's going to clinical trials next year to do this very thing it is an immunotherapy yeah can you talk us through as basically as you can what it is so we're one of about 50 different immunotherapeutics that is in evaluation at the moment there's some 1300 clinical trials on immunotherapy for cancer occurring right now so there's a lot of activity Go right back to that 50 story. They thought they had discovered the magic bullets and they tried from then up till now and had never been able to achieve it. It was a much more difficult hurdle to overcome. So it kind of laid down. But over the last 10 years or so, the or even 15 years, all of a sudden more has been learned about the immune system and now they're able to start reapproaching it from different angles. There's about seven different approaches to immunotherapy. We're one of them. What is good is we're one aspect of it that nobody else is actually using because we are taking on one of the most dangerous parts of the immune system and actually try recruiting it into the process because our molecules can manage this dangerous part. 
in a very, very safe way. So what does it do? So what we do within hours, or what everybody tries, some of the immunotherapies try and unmask the tumour. So there are what are called checkpoints on the tumour, and they put in inhibitors to the checkpoints to take away the hiding system. So the body can so see So your body it. can then see right. your tumours. That's Keytruda and all of these things. So they're unmasking. Other people doing lots of different things. And what we're doing is telling the tumour not to look like a tumour. So it still might have its masking system there, but putting into the tumour by an injection the chemical structures you would see on the outside of an animal cell. Because our bodies will instantly reject anything animal that hops into our blood. If I transfuse you with um, sheep red cells, you'd instantly kill them. The same molecules that are on the outside of the sheep red cells, we actually make as an injection, which you inject into the tumour, and it makes that tumour look like it's a sheep or a cat or a dog. They all look the same, basically. But it's synthetic. It's not actually animal. It's totally synthetic. <laughs> it's a very simple thing. We inject it into the tumour. Your body instantly knows what animal looks like. So it looks at this tumour and says, I've been invaded by an animal cell. Your body then goes and attacks that within seconds, starts to attack that code-modified tumour, and then smashes it up. It then carries the fragments through to the immune system, which starts looking at the, all the bits on it. It says, we've been invaded by something nasty. What are these other things? Oh, and it says, hang on, what's this other thing here I've never seen before? And that's the real tumour antigen, not the code one, which tricked the immune system. It made it look at it. And by looking at it, it says, well, this shouldn't be here. I'm going to mount an immune system response to the thing that shouldn't be here. And then I'm going to send my whole immune system out around the body and find anything that's got that bit on it, which happens to be the tumour antigen, which identifies that tumour. And anything that's got that on it, it will destroy. So that's why you can inject one tumour, teach your body to recognise all your tumours, and go out and search your body and destroy all the secondaries. That's what immunotherapy can do. It's the similar basis for most of the technologies, but they're all quite different approaches. So if breast cancer and bowel cancer and lung cancer are all the same thing, it just happens to be in a different part of your body? No. Breast cancer is, there's a hormonal component to the, the breast cancers, so the cells are, can be triggered by it. But they're all conceptually the same idea. So if I had breast cancer often spreads to the spine... So all how would that work? Things, it could recognise yeah. the breast cancer. Would it still recognise my metastasized spinal cancer? It could. Anything. We could inject the secondary and it would go and destroy the primary. Okay. So it doesn't... We only have to inject one tumour to teach your body what all of those tumours look like, no matter where they're in your body. And it will go and find and seek them. Remember... Every cancer, there's about 100 different types of cancers. Every single cancer is different. And every one of those cancers that's different is also probably personalized to you. Okay, so you, one person with breast cancer might make something slightly different to someone else with breast cancer, slightly different to someone else. So how do you know what you're going to target? So what we're trying to say to the body is, you go and figure it out. We aren't going to tell you what it is. But So your therapy... Um, might become irrelevant if we can genetic test to find out if we're going to get No, cancer, it will never right? become irrelevant because, <laughs> yeah. because cancer is normal. 
everybody, if everybody lived long enough, almost everybody would get cancer. It's just got to be a number of random events that line up. And we can't prevent you getting cancer because it's a natural cell going wrong. We can only cure you once you have cancer. So we can't immunise you to say you'll never get cancer because... So what what's the HPV vaccine then? Is that not stopping people getting uh, cervical cancer? Yes, because HPV vaccine is a vaccine against a virus. When a virus attacks you, a virus also attacks your DNA. If it attacks the DNA, it cuts open the DNA and hides its genetic sequence in your DNA. Where does it cut your DNA? Randomly. And when it cuts the DNA, it causes genetic damage. Genetic damage then results in cancer. When you get sunburned, your cells are attacked by ultraviolet. It cuts the DNA and causes genetic damage. The number of random events you will have to damage your DNA increases your chances of making a cell that loses the ability to stop multiplying. So can we vaccinate against any other kind of cancers? Do any other cancers work in that same way? You can't vaccinate against cancers. So any other cancers kind of, I guess, be caused by viruses? I guess the skin cancer... Every virus... Theoretically, every virus theoretically could cause cancer. Okay, wow. Gosh, because a virus holds, but, but, but you've got to also put this in a global perspective. Viruses have been critical to the evolution of mankind. If you look into the genetics of a human, there's all these old viral signatures left behind in there. And some of them have probably contributed to the success of the human species by leaving behind things that have actually been been able to use or cutting a gene and making it do something bad which become useful so you know, yeah it's it's a whole organism it's a whole ecosystem you've got to consider so i've got major self-interest question so i've had melanoma no. very early stage but and so i'm always a bit interested in cancer so your cures if one of one of these hundreds that are being developed and tested i mean how how quickly are you are we going to see these? Um, is yeah. there any sort of time frame that we are going to be able to treat cancers? Okay, so there's going to be a, quite a few little issues in that. A cure for cancer, I would say there's more than a 60% chance a cure for most cancers, not necessarily all that, most cancers will be achievable inside of seven years. How long that takes to be widespread available might take another three or four years for it to to spread out and there will be some cost points in there that might make its availability more difficult. Remember I said there's about 1300 clinical trials undergoing at the moment. So one cancer might require you to use two or three therapies. Another cancer might use one or two. Another cancer might require this and that. They'll have to work all of these things out. See at the moment in some cancers you get about a 25% cure rate. Is that good? Is that a high? It's better than nothing. Well, yeah, 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 yeah true. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. So remember that the cure rate will be at a period of time, you know, in the future. So in five years' time, then, um, you know, 25% of those people who would have been dead before are now alive and probably will still be alive. Okay. Remember the other thing also is when you cure somebody with chemotherapy, you've hit them with all these nasty chemicals which potentially could cause cancer for you sometime in the future This is what I want to quickly just touch on really quickly. Is remission a cure? Okay. So remission is basically putting it on hold. If you put something on hold and it doesn't do anything, it's not going to harm you. 
It becomes What's the time benign. frame for that? I know uh, a good friend of mine, her mother had breast cancer when we were uh, at primary school. I'm now almost 30 and her mum's got spinal cancer. And um, so is that a new cancer or is that her old cancer? It potentially could be either. It could be the treatment that she had has actually caused, caused her to get new, cancer, new cancer because the treatments with chemotherapy are extremely vicious. It could be the old one has just sat there and figured out a way to make itself accidentally every time a cell multiplies. Remember there's this 30 trillion cells in your body. You only need one of them to go wrong. Statistically, one of them is going to go wrong somewhere down the process. So, you know, even in a tumour, there might be a trillion cells in a tumour or, you know, billions of cells. Only one of those in the replication to find a different way of accidentally doing something on the surface and it could come back. So a cure for cancer means it is gone. Immunotherapies will cure you for that cancer. You will never get that cancer again. You are still liable to get every other single kind of cancer there is, but you won't get that one that you've got. Your melanoma might be caused by cancer that had uh, an abnormality called A. You could get melanoma again with an abnormality called B, or a melanoma called abnormality called C. But again, you come back to all the statistics. How many, you have to have all these random events to occur before the whole picture adds together to give you a cell that will grow uncontrollably and hide itself. Your metastases is something that comes later. You'll get the cancer on the front end. So, you know, it just comes down to pure stats. So we're all going to be getting cancer still. It's just going to be that it's treatable. Yeah. And probably treatable in a more pleasant... Is that going to be in a more pleasant way? Or? Well, if you had a, a melanoma, you'd go to your doctor. They would take a needle. They'd inject into that needle a, about um, a tenth of a mil of solution. And they'd send you home. That's the entire treatment. Which is actually quite a lot more pleasant than what they, what they do. <laughs> but to That's be, as pleasant as getting a blood test. Yeah. But okay, to be as I'll, cynical I'll, as we possibly can be, the reality is that Helen's going to have to be rich to get that treatment, right? This, well, a cancer yes, is going to yes become a rich no. man's... Uh, that, yes I'm, and yeah. no. Remember, the drug companies have to invest huge amounts of money to bring these things forward. I mean... Our clinical trial next year is 20 million US dollars, and then we're probably going, that's a small clinical trial, half a billion dollars probably before it hits the marketplace. Someone's invested half a billion. And remember, a lot of things fail. So you've got to recover all the money for all the things that fail, all the things that succeed. So you can't talk about, yes, it's wrong that they have to charge for it, but someone has to make the money, otherwise nothing happens. So you, no treatments occur. However, remember, Something that is patented, the patent only lasts for a maximum of 20 years. By the time anything's gone into clinical trial, it's already burnt at least 10 years plus of its validity. After 10 years, it, a patent is a contract with society that says, after you've given me the exclusive rights to get my money back off my investment, I give it to the society for free and anyone can use it and anyone can make it. So after a period of time, it's a good thing you're getting older then, Steve, because you you know being an older person, knowing you're going to lose your patent, it's not like you're a thirty year old who's going to miss out on fifty years worth of potential income, are you? Oh yeah. <laughs> to be mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, all of this innovation is driven by the ability of somebody to make a dollar off it. Yeah. Because no one will invest in something unless they can make a dollar off it. So you know. People say it's wrong that they're making so much money, but actually, it's 
horribly right. It's right because it actually makes it happen. Nothing would be happening if no one could make a dollar of it, unless it was a communist country investing in doing these things and taking your taxes to do it. So I guess we can say that there there is no cure for cancer, but we can never that we're never going to we're never going to wipe it out. Um, but we're looking at probably a decade, maybe a bit more, that we will actually be treating it in really different ways that yeah. could be quite effective. Now, dying of cancer will become. A thing of the hist- of the past, it will be will be killed by other things. But you know, with my younger children, we'll all be living well over a hundred years of age. So, what will they be dying from? Uh, I was going to say some people driving their cars, running them over, but maybe it's an AI running them over in a car is a possibility. Um, they will be dying of you know environmental catastrophes. They'll be dying of things probably hopefully but not wars and all of these things mankind will find ways of killing us in in all sorts of beautiful ways so but diseases will be marginalized we'll be dying from heart disease but these will be very curable we'll be dying of diabetes but these things will be very curable so most biologically based diseases will be pretty curable within a 50 year time frame but just to be devil's advocate we hear lots about antibiotic resistance. Aren't these cancers going to become resistant to these immunotherapies? Yeah, that's a good question. But the problem with that question is a cancer is us, our own cells and our own body. Bacteria are hundreds of different things, viruses are hundreds, and they think for themselves. They've got nothing to do with us. They do all different things, their own mutations. They mutate very, very fast. Every 20 minutes probably is a replication time for a bacteria in, a, in an ideal situation. And every time it multiplies, there's the ability to change things. Plus, they also do some unbelievably crazy things. One bacteria can have a piece of genetic information and it can go and give it to an unrelated bacteria and actually give it the genes the genes to fight off antibiotic resistance. Those things don't happen with cancers. So bacteria and antibiotic resistance is a very... These are the things that potentially will kill us, have a much higher chance of killing us than cancer does in the future. So Helen's quite lucky then because... If she doesn't get cancer in the next 10 years, she might break the family trend, right? Yeah. I know. I, I am feeling quite optimistic. I'm not so sure about my other options for dying. But, um, yeah, hey, it is nice to know that it might not be cancer that gets me after all. Yeah. Live 10 years and I'd say your chances of dying cancer are, are very, very small compared to what they are today. Fantastic. But, um, I'm, I'm, like, that I'm liking that news, Steve. Just watch out for that bus, you <laughs> know. Out. It could get you tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> we'll right. end on that high note, huh? <laughs> Thanks for coming in, Steve. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I guess the main takeaway for me was that I'm allowed to keep eating lots and lots of chocolate. Um, Anyway, if you've got questions, please send them to us. Hit us up on AUT's social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, using the hashtag AskAUT. Thanks for listening. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You What does Marcellus Wallace look like? What's the deal with that? What's the matter with me, baby? What's the matter with you? They speak English and what? How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. What's the deal with everything? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? At this point, I'm too afraid to ask.